What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a Friday edition, a TGIF Friday edition of Texas All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. It's time to dive right in. Let's get the broadcast crew together. Mark, Andre, and myself. Here we go. Dre, I want to get to, obviously, D'Amico and the staff being put together and all that kind of stuff, but I want to start with your thoughts specifically on the quarterback play in the Super Bowl from both sides, from Jalen Hurts and from Patrick Mahomes, and what your thoughts were about it. Yeah, I was uh, – I, I couldn't wait till the game. I mean, it was like I was playing in one because of the countdown and, and the anticipation of, of this matchup, and it didn't disappoint. I thought both guys went right at each other the first half. It was back and forth, and all of a sudden Philly gets a 10-point lead at the half, and I thought they were well on their way. Uh, if they could just get a stop in the second half. But the two of them I thought played spectacularly. Uh, it couldn't take my eyes off off the game because you didn't know what was going to happen uh, between the two, and, and it was just two outstanding individual performances. Well, what do we learn here from this, seeing a guy like Jalen Hurts, his journey, and getting to where he is, Andre, as an MVP candidate caliber player, Super Bowl quarterback, and here are the Texans, and D'Amico said it himself. They only have one quarterback on the roster. They're looking for quarterbacks. We don't know how they're going to put it together. But your thoughts on where the next one might come from and maybe where he should come from? <laughs> uh, I think if I had that answer, you know, I'd be a commodity around the NFL. I'd be getting a lot of phone calls and a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of dollars in my bank account if I could answer <laughs> that one honestly, to where to, where to go to find them automatically. But, I mean, you just got to turn over every stone. Leave no stone unturned as you try to find out and iron out this roster, especially at that position, uh, as you put it together. But for Jalen, it was just hard work. I mean, he was, he's been doubted his entire career. And he just I think he loves and enjoys just proving the doubters wrong. And the jump from one year to the other, and that's why I tell you guys all the time, uh, from a foundational standpoint, a quarterback coming back to the same system year in and year out is a bonus. And you rarely see it in today's games because the minute you get good as a team, somebody's going to come get one of your coordinators. So now you're bringing somebody else in. The easiest way to do it is to have that coach learn the system and then continue to teach it from a terminology standpoint, though some of the play calling is going to be different. I think it's going to be different for him next year. The Eagles may take a step back offensively, even if they're able to bring all 11 starters back, which we, we rarely see in free agency and in, in, and in today's NFL world. So um, where do mm. the Texans go? Uh, it's obviously going to be through the draft. Do all your due diligence. I've said all along, you know, in season, out of season, now that we're in the offseason, that uh, I, I would probably take two quarterbacks and, and draft two and sign a free agent and let everybody compete. Dre, with D'Amico Ryan's taking over as as the head coach, we haven't seen D'Amico as a coach as we saw him as a player. And you guys got a chance to see every single play that he had here with the Texans, and he goes to Philadelphia after that. Naming him as the head coach and bringing him into this organization, what do you think it means to the organization and just everything, to the fans, to the followers, to everybody, with D'Amico taking over as the head coach? Well, it's one heck of a marketing deal, <laughs> first and foremost, because I don't know that you could ever – I was thinking about this the other day. A guy that has played for a team that actually goes back and coaches that team, um, that's a hard one to come up with. But when you talk about the type of person D'Amico is coming back as a coach, 
you, you reference excellent leadership skills and you got, that was on full display uh, every day that he was, uh, he was a, a part of the Texans organization. So you figure you're getting that back as a coach, uh, a guy that, uh, you know, clamors to win, wants to win and, uh, and, and can certainly get it done. So uh, th- this is exciting from a stand- fan standpoint, you're getting fans back in the stadium with this hire. Everything just seems to align itself just right. Yeah, you get the former players back, the Texans legends. Everybody's on fire for it. And the reports came out soon enough about assistants and Bobby Slowick as offensive coordinator, Dre. Coming from that 49er system, you never know how he's going to put it together, but your thoughts on where this offense can go. And again, we don't really know a lot of the main participants in it. Some of them, like Damian Pierce, but... Your thoughts so far on where this thing could go? Yeah, I just I just want to see some competent offense. I mean, you know, stuff that that has some imagination to it, that keeps the defense on its heels, uh, an offense that that attacks at times because you know, watching it huddle up, break the huddle, find the mic, you know, call it. You're allowing the defense to have the advantage in my eyes, and and there are some parts of a game that you just need to go take over. You need to just go run plays. And 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 attack the defense, and hopefully that's what that's what's coming to uh, to the Texans' offense this this in in 2023. Just some imagination, uh, no wasted plays, um, no you know where you get in a, a a situation where you're predictable on first and second down, and then we know you're going to throw on third down. Those types of situations where there's early down throws and, and a lot to give uh, um, a quarterback the advantage going into a ball game. Dre, with this offense, got uh, Damian Pierce coming back. Well, obviously, we'll figure out the quarterback situation. Um, and, you know, you've got two rock-solid tackles, and I thought they played pretty well last year. What do you think this this mm-hmm. offense needs from a personnel standpoint? What's the, what's the biggest thing if you said, man, you've got one opportunity to make one personnel adjustment, move, trade, draft, whatever – what would you like to see this offense bring in? No coaches, just personnel, players, somebody on the field that can do something in 2023. And it doesn't have to be a specific player, but just what you want to see this offense from a personnel standpoint bring in. Uh, man, that's tough. Quarterback first, as you mentioned. Sure. But then a bona fide wide receiver, somebody that can can make plays for him, and maybe multiple, uh, where you get the situation with uh, – Smith and, and A.J. Brown in Philadelphia, where you essentially have two number ones uh, for for a young quarterback. Mm. Uh, I would still think the interior portion of the offensive line, that's still an area that is a question mark in my eyes. So I would go offensive line as well uh, and, and in terms of drafting or bring, maybe bringing in some free agents to fill the interior portion, a center, certainly, um, and maybe two guards uh, to, to come in and compete as well, because that is now, that was a question mark last year. There are times when Green was in over his head as a, as a rookie. Hopefully he makes a jump like a Jalen Hurts type jump from one year one to year two as a starter in this offense. And then that's a position that you don't have to worry as much about. But I still think the offensive line could could uh, could, could uh, stand an upgrade. And I, I think you've got some tight ends that have some magic to them, that, that have some playmaking ability mm-hmm. that uh, they get you. I know myself gets me pretty excited. All right, Andre Ware with us. Okay, as we delve deeper into the inexact science of the draft, because who could have predicted Brock Purdy last year? 
But let's talk about the guys at the top of this draft. And maybe, Are we going to talk about Trevor Lawrence or no? We're not going to talk about okay. Trevor Lawrence today, no. I refuse <laughs> to talk about Trevor Lawrence today. You guys are going uh, to stick your chests out about Trevor Lawrence today. And you should, okay, but this is an ongoing process. The game is not over until it's over, until I say it's over. <laughs> All right, here we go. Uh, but the quarterbacks in this draft, Andre, uh, because we are in the pre-draft crazy season where no games are being played, but there are a lot of narratives shaping up. There was a tweet of Mina Kimes and Bryce Young standing next to each other, and and he wasn't that much taller than her, and everyone's freaking yeah, out about yeah. that. And she says, I'm wearing four-inch heels. Like, she doubled down on the tweet. And it's just, I mean, I don't know what to make of all this stuff, but let's talk about Bryce and what he brings to the table for whatever team gets him. Well, a lot of starting experience, um, a lot of playmaking ability, given the time necessary. And, and he, can, he can play off schedule as well when you flush him out of the pocket extremely smart with the football takes care of it. I think he has enough arm strength. Uh, that's going to be a question mark though, but I think he can make every throw, especially in the type of offense that's coming uh, to the Texans in, in terms of that West coast kind of style. And, and uh, you know, the zone running scheme, I think will be back in play here in Houston with that. It, it had so much success here in the past. I think that'll be on display again. And I think Pierce will benefit greatly from that. But, uh, you know, with Bryce Young, you, you get all those intangibles. It's just, can he stay healthy with his size? And then there's, you know, if people are going to, whether fair or not, compare him size-wise to Tua, who is a, a much thicker, uh, muscled-up type of body than, than uh, Bryce Young. And Tua has just suffered from injury after injury, which is why you have to protect the young quarterback. I mean, if there's anything this franchise has learned, is that you must protect a young quarterback that you're drafting very, very high in the draft. And so I think uh, if it's if it happens to be Bryce Young, that's certainly going to be the uh, the number one thing that you have to do is protect him up front, where you can see all the the outstanding athletic traits. But say that the Texans are going to draft a quarterback at some point, but they want to have. And I'm, this is me speaking. I'm just creating this scenario that they want to have a bridge quarterback, Dre. And I know there are a few that you and I have talked about. But you have to right. pick between these two. Which one would you take as a bridge quarterback for, I don't know, maybe a year, maybe longer? Ooh. Either Jimmy Garoppolo or Jacoby Brissett. Both of them are free agents. Which one would you like and which one do you think would fit? Obviously, the San Francisco connection, but maybe that means you... Maybe I don't want Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo or Jacoby Wait, Brissett? Is the, is the money equal? In yeah, this money equal. They both want to come here. Okay, all right. You got to pick between those. All things being equal, Jacoby Brissett or Jimmy Garoppolo? Jimmy Garoppolo is not, is not even close for me. You're talking about a proven winner. Uh, Mark knows how I feel about Garoppolo if yep. he's healthy. Uh, that's yep. dating back to when before he was drafted. Um I mm -hmm. just think he's got something about him. If he if he's healthy, he's as good as it gets. They were on a tear when uh, you know they lose Trey Lance. Garoppolo steps in. They don't miss a beat. You you mentioned the familiarity with the offense that they run in San Francisco. It's coming to Houston. He's already uh, up to speed on that. That's the bridge quarterback that you want because you don't have to really teach him the system. He comes in and he's able to help everybody else around him learn the system, and that's an extra benefit. Uh, to what you want to do. So I think all those things need to be taken into account. Yeah, I know. But you, it would be, 
Jimmy Garoppolo for me, uh, hands down. Yeah, I know. You've always liked him, Dre, ever since uh, you looked at that tape pre-draft of Jimmy mm-hmm. Garoppolo. So yeah. we'll see where that goes. All right, another guy who was available in that draft is available now for anybody who wants Ooh. him. And again, from a general perspective, not just the Texans, but he's going to end up somewhere. Derek Carr. Mm-hmm. Thoughts on Derek as he's out there in the open market and what he brings to a team? Yeah, Johnny and I talked about this a little bit. Uh, I like it. I like uh, just him as a player. I like, you know, him being back here in Houston and that story. It's a great story. Uh, it kind of comes full circle for that. He and that family. Uh, I just, I just like what he's done on the field. And as a Raider owns just about every passing record in franchise history yeah. there. Just unfortunate how um, a guy can come into a job and then not win or prove himself. And then <laughs> Exodus, the, the quarterback, puts him out to pasture and, you know, all of what he's done for the franchise. It's, it's amazing, unfair, uh, but it is a business. We talk about that all the time. I love uh, the way Derek could play. I love what he brings. I love all the intangibles, the leadership, how guys follow him. Um, that wouldn't be a bad one either. Now, if you gave me all three of those, that would, that would make it tough between Derek Carr and Jimmy Garoppolo. It really would. Okay. So let me present this case. Hmm. Let's say that they do go out. Let, let's say the Texans did go out and made a deal with Derek Carr. Right. What do you do with pick two? Do you still go quarterback or do you just say, no, we got our guy. We're going to go with Jalen Carter. We're going to go with Will Anderson Jr. at two. I got my vote. And then, I mean, knowing, knowing more than likely that 2024 has got some stud quarterbacks if things just fall through the grates with Derek oh, for some reason. There you go again. Dude, next I'm, year's no, class. No, hey, I'm, hey, I'm just Mark, always what, thinking what about... Casterly, what did Casterly always say? Hey, see, can't have too many quarterbacks, see? Hey. That's exactly right, man. <laughs> so what <laughs> exactly. would you do? I'd take one at two. I would sign Derek Carr. Uh, the, the second pick in the first round, I'm going a different direction. And then later, way down the line, fourth, fifth round, I'm going to probably take another one that's fallen uh, into that round. Maybe a guy like, uh, what's the kid at Florida, Anthony? Uh, Anthony Richardson? Richardson? I can't. Yep. Richardson. If yeah. he falls in the draft, I doubt it. But if he falls that far, that's the guy I'm scooping up. And then we all, we go to camp with a pretty good quarterback room. How about this? If you, if you sign a Derek or a Jimmy, you take uh, one of the two defensive guys mm-hmm. at two, Jalen Carter. Right. Will Anderson, and at 12, it's it probably is early to take Richardson, but I got a feeling somebody's going to grab him because you know how this time of yeah. year is. The stock rises, and oh, my gosh, and somebody's going to take him. Uh, and maybe you, it's, maybe that, you man, take him top you know, in the second round. You know the hell that would, there would be to pay if a quarterback wasn't taken at number two at this franchise? It's, with this well, that's why I asked the question. I know. That's why I asked I the know. question because you know the hell that there would be to pay <laughs> in this city, and whoever drafted that guy, I mean – I don't yeah, I care who, who it is. <laughs> you couldn't survive in this city. You I could know. not survive. Even if it works, the months that it would take to prove that it's going to work. It, I know. It's be almost painful. like that's, <laughs> that's not even worth it. In some sense. But that's why I asked yeah. the question with the caveat that is 2024 has got some super studs. But unfortunately, I think I think this is my opinion because the last couple of years and we haven't seen the quarterback play after the quarterback play. We did see, we didn't see it for another couple of years that, okay, we're clamoring for a quarterback and we want a young guy. We want to build with a guy and that's the guy we want to, we want to grow with. And we think we could do that with the number two pick in a draft, but 
You get Derek Carr, I might I might take Jalen Carter at two or Anderson at two and then go look at Richardson at 12. Maybe move up if I have to. Andre, I have a term for what Johnny has. Well, it's called next year goggles. <laughs> next year goggles. Next year's draft class goggles. I'm looking at it through those goggles. <laughs> well, just look at it like this. Look at what the Kansas – there's the model the Kansas City Chiefs did. Mahomes mm. sat for how long? Till the final game of his rookie year? Yeah. And then they unveiled him? Um, and and the, mm-hmm. the bridge quarterback was Alex Smith. There needs to be somebody so you see how it's done. I don't care at what point yeah. uh, you start a rookie quarterback where you make him, you know, mm. half the year or mm. it's, uh, you know, the final game of his rookie year. At some point he's got to play in that first year if, if you're clearly out of the playoffs. Uh, but then you need somebody with some experience that kind of taught him or leading the way into the season in case he gets hurt, in case something goes bad, you can go right back and you, you don't fall off as far as if, you know, you just purely go rookie quarterback and there's no other experienced veteran uh, on the team. So that's why I said you could sign a veteran and still take a quarterback at number two and, and, and be okay. And just put a stamp on that position. As in, we're not going to try and fill the gap. And yes, no offense you need to, to. You got to find one. I mean, no so offense you have to, to stamp it at right. some point. And no offense to guys like Fitzy or Hoyer or Mallet or whatever, but we just spent years without doing that. And right. I don't want to say wasted good years, but I mean, in 2014, you know, Fitzy's, you know, bouncing around doing his thing and Watts putting together one of the greatest defensive seasons of all time. And we can only finish nine and seven because we didn't get court, you know, consistent quarterback I, play throughout. I wonder if you could get right. Rick Smith and Bill O'Brien in a chamber and give them truth serum. <laughs> oh, it, no, it, don't it, do no, that. no hindsight for them, for those gentlemen looking at that draft, you might, you would might they... have to break them up first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right, separate chambers. So, but if you could ask them, like, would you take Garoppolo top of the second round now or Derek Carr? Yes. now? Like, like hindsight instead of Xavier Suofilo, take one of those two guys yeah. and just let them go. Oh, yeah. And you have Fitzy, yeah. but you have one of those guys to develop for a year and then let him <laughs> And then that play. would start, well, that's what I wanted. Well, no, that's what you said you wanted. That's where that would end up going. You never know. <laughs> Nobody's going to own it. If they even if they agree, right? <laughs> Somebody wanted the other guy if it doesn't work out. I mean, there's so many discussions I would imagine between general manager, scouts, coaches, head coach. Everything gets brought up at some point. You know, hey, well, what about what about this thought? Mm. What about this thought? Some somebody brought that thought up at some at some point. I would imagine and it happens yeah. in every every draft that you you bring up those thoughts and then you kind of quickly move on to something else. Well, as many scenarios are painted, if this guy goes or this guy's here, that you know, so on and so forth, and then the surprises within the draft if they happen, uh, you have to know that 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 happened. That scenario was painted at some point. Mm. Dre, uh, this topic has come up this week. The play where it's a quarterback sneak and the entire brigade of players gets behind him and pushes him over the necessary yardage line uh that is going to be looked at by the rules officials the rules committee uh competition committee this offseason your thoughts should that be outlawed to be able to push the player forward from behind and they're also looking at hey a running back's five yards downfield he kind of gets stacked up but not quite stopped and then somebody pushes from behind and they get an extra three four yards that's kind of dangerous to the thought of some. Your thoughts on whether that should be, quote, outlawed or not? I think it should be outlawed. I've, <clears throat> I've never liked it. Uh, 
I look at it from this standpoint. What if you're being, what if you're pushing because guys just put their heads down and they just push, right? Yeah. What if a guy's leg is caught under somebody mm-hmm. and he's being pushed and twisted in a manner in which if that weren't being, if that weren't allowed, the, you, you stop an injury from happening. And it's just, it's almost like it's waiting. We're waiting to see it, but, and we need to stop it before it happens. I, I would be totally fine if they outlawed this. And I think what's interesting, Dre, is for a long time, well, back in the day when we were playing, you couldn't aid a runner in any way, shape, or form. Mm. Couldn't, no doubt, no doubt about it. And so I don't know why that's changed because I would think with the emphasis on safety, yeah, this is the, if, I mean, this if, is a rugby scrum with dudes with pads on. It flies in the face of safety. Yeah, it exactly. Just, it doesn't feel right, Dre. I'm gonna ask you kind of an odd question. Whether it's an NFL draft prospect or a guy that's going back to college, of the games that you did this year, and you had you had some some bang up Friday night games, you saw some serious talent. Who is probably the best player that you saw throughout the season on your Friday night games? Again, whether it's a guy going to the NFL draft or whether it's a guy that's going back for another year, who was the best overall player that you saw in twenty twenty two? Michael Penix Jr. Mm. Easy for me. Mm. Quarterback of UW. <clears throat> I was shocked, somewhat disappointed, uh, all of it, because I knew he was just fly up draft boards once uh, teams got a chance to, to work him out, got a chance to sit down with him once they knew the injury history. Uh, was was It seems as though it's behind him. Um, he is uh, just, I'm telling you, I don't know that I've seen many that can touch every single inch of a football field with every single throw. He is that good. He is that talented and he will, he will assert himself as a top five, maybe even uh, the number one overall pick. If he's able to stay healthy and prove that he can do that two consecutive years, that's the only, that's the only question mark you have with Michael Penix is his health. But if he does it two years in a row, you can't deny it, and he's going to be somebody's top five pick as a quarterback next year. I don't know his personal situation, but don't you think the NIL money take it, it comes into play oh. with some of these guys staying in school who aren't going to be top five picks necessarily? Absolutely, absolutely. I read yeah, an, I read an article, Dre. Money. A lot of guys are, make, are are making more money staying in than they would make going into the draft, and then some of them, you know, and then you got a chance to better your draft stock uh, to, to get yourself more money because you played an extra year in college. So uh, he is certainly going to be one of those that benefits in that manner. It wasn't, it wasn't Penix. I can't remember who it was, but I read an article. There was a quarterback that ended up going back and I guess he had, you know, these players have the opportunity to get uh, feedback from the NFL as to where they would go in the draft. Mm-hmm. And he got feedback that he was, I can't remember. It was day three. And say, they said day three, and he, he had already decided he was going to stay, but he wanted to see what the feedback would be from the NFL. And he went and he looked, and his NIL deal that he had was more profitable than what he would have made sure. as a day three pick in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Is that Rattler, maybe? Where would but, Rattler go in this draft? Uh, th- th- he's so complicated. Okay. I mean, he is, he is so, yeah. he, so complicated. If, if Michael Penix came out and was a day three pick, and he was still there. I might drive to NRG Stadium, bust into the, the draft room, and hop on the tape and give my sales pitch to Michael Penix Jr. That's after you've taken one in the first round. Yeah. Come back and get him in the, in the you know, whatever, third, fourth round, or that mm-hmm. third day or whatever 
day that is that you're picking. That's the guy I would start clamoring for on, Dre, on day three. No Dre, doubt about it. Dre, how's your off-season coaching going? Oh, getting ready to get started. Um, and I was a little disappointed last night because we held a practice and a couple of guys weren't there that I expected to be there. Ooh. So we'll uh, we'll have a in-depth talk about that, <laughs> myself and the parents. And we'll understand. We'll get a clear understanding of how important it is to be at practice. Oh boy! Uh, if we want playing time. Oh boy! I just we need to mic you up. We need to do a feature on Andre coaching a hoops game. (laughs) Mic him up. Oh yeah, (laughs) let's buckle up, everybody. Uh, Dre, great to visit, and we'll have many more. Looking forward to it, and best of luck with the team. Always good to chat with you guys. Looking forward to uh, to the draft coming up, and and uh, and all the other stuff that the off season brings. Man, the three of us can get going. Man, that was really really fun. I'm glad Dre. Joined us, and obviously that would be incredible. I mean, a Andre Ware coach cam, <laughs> sign me up. I can't film it, but, man, I would try, like, you know what, to produce it. That's for sure. All right, Mark's going to stick with me. What are the Texans going to do at number 12? It's kind of based out of a conversation I had with Ron and Show Hughley leaving, he leaving the studio, me going in the studio on Thursday night. So we'll talk about that next right here on Texans All Access. Welcome back to Friday edition of Texans All Access. Mark and I, John Harris, your host, back together. Mark, we're going to figure out what we're doing with number 12 in the draft, all right? Let's do it. We're figuring out what we want to do. Okay, so I'm going to say want and need. Those are two obvious Mm -hmm. separate things. I'm going to ask you, you don't have to give me a player, but a position that you want, and is that the same as what we need at pick number 12. Cause I think at number two, we're going to talk about that a lot. Okay. Number two, probably, well, probably ask, a quarterback, but we never know. Well, but let me ask you an important question here. Okay. All right. Do you have, whether it's through free agency or the number two pick, do you have your quarterback situation by the time you get to 12 in this context, today's show Friday, February 17th, do you have your quarterback situation set? By the time you pick a number 12, yes, the quarterback situation is set. Okay, the quarterback situation is set. So it's now set. we're moving on to another need satisfaction. Need slash want. Okay. Let's go. And I'll give you this. This is, this is kind of coming out of a conversation mm-hmm. that right before our show last night, we were walking in the studio, and as we walked in, uh, Ron the show, Hughley stopped me and goes, oh, you're the guy I want to see. And I was like, oh, what'd I do? And he posed the question about Bijan Robinson, running back slash weapon X, because he can do more than be a running back, at number 12. And I've seen this pop up now on Twitter a couple of times really? today about Bijan Robinson at number 12 for the Texans. Now, what? Six foot, 222, excellent pass receiver skills. He's electric. Here's the player I have comped him to. All right. Saints, do-it-all threat, Alvin Kamara. That's a heck of a player to compare him to. And I would love that, Johnny, but I don't think in the Texans situation they can afford to do that. They can't afford to spend the number 12 pick on the draft right. on Bijan because as much as you'd love to have him, you have other things that you'd love to have and right. need. Right. You need help along the front defensively. Now, I know they'll probably get some free agent help as well, but come on, you need interior help in the offensive line. We were talking about corner last night. It's probably not something you need at 12, but you're going to need it eventually in the and top three rounds. Let, let me say this on corner because Chillips, I think that I can't remember. I think it was. Yeah, somebody. Somebody had, had asked about that. And I and I, I, I failed 
to say one other thing, and I thought about it all the way home, and I was the like, guy ah. from Illinois. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Devin Witherspoon was the guy that he suggested. Uh-huh. It's not so much Devin Witherspoon, although I like Devin Witherspoon, and 12 is about right. I think he's going to be like 15, 16 for me in the Harris 100. It's not really so much about Devin Witherspoon as a player. It's more about, A, you put a lot of resources in last year. You signed Steven Nelson to a two-year deal, so he's coming back. You also drafted Derek Stingley, number three overall. Beyond that, this cornerback class is unbelievable. So if you throw that in, on top of the fact that you do have other needs, I don't think corner is the way that you go, especially the fact that you can get – if you want a corner, you can yeah. you can get a starting corner at 65 or 73, I can promise you. You'll get a starting corner at 65 or 73 eventually, maybe not this year given what you already have there, but you'll have a corner uh, in this draft that you can get at 65 or 73 that will be a contributor, no doubt, in his first 17 games in the league. So that was, that was the other thing with corner. So – I took corner off the board at 12, and I'm taking it off for those particular reasons. You know where Robinson's going? He's going to one of these good teams at the bottom of the first I, round, yeah, no. picking a little bit late. Like, I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe the Cowboys, right? Yep. With their current Absolutely. running back situation, the way it is. Pollard coming oh, back from the injury. Suck. Zeke not being who he was. Oh, so I would hate that. Horrible. 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 From Longhorns to mm-hmm. the Cowboys. Although, there's something fitting about that. <laughs> uh, I won't get into details <laughs> yeah, regarding yeah. that. I see one mock that has Robinson going to the Philadelphia Eagles. Interesting. That would make sense because they're losing Miles Sanders. And they'd love to run the ball a lot better than they did in the mm-hmm. Super Bowl, yep. of course. Yep. So, uh, obviously, Jalen Hurts runs the ball well, but they need other guys to do it along with him or instead of him or more than he does so look if the quarterback situation is set you know man Tyree Wilson's gone isn't he you guys are right he's He's gone 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 he's gone so who's gonna drop somebody's gonna drop oh by the way one of the guys from CBS Sports Chris Trapasso do you see what he did at number one overall no he had the Colts Moving up to number one to take Jalen Carter, Anthony Richardson. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> I applaud it. I applaud it. But the Giants no. called and said that was aggressive after they took Daniel Jones when they didn't uh, have listen, to. I've, you know how I feel about Anthony Richardson. He his good is so overwhelmingly good. Like I mean, you fall in love. I mean, he is he is the the hot significant other syndrome. Oh yeah, he is hot he romance is, pick. Yeah. And you wake up and you're like, oh my gosh, the abs, the, the this, the that. And then the next day you're like, oh, why did I even think about it? I mean, it's that's it's that way for Richardson. <laughs> I I applaud them for thinking outside the mm-hmm. box. And Shane Steichen, I can see them saying, Well, look, Steichen is taking quarterbacks and taking them from what they were and turn them into something valuable. So I could I could see that. So it's it's probably not gonna happen. But Richardson's got tools, man. Holy what kind smokes. of world do we live in where Trevor Lawrence is the dean of AFC South <laughs> quarterbacks? Right? I wrote my Daily Brew today. If you look at five key spots for an organization, GM, head coach, two coordinators, and quarterback. And I looked at it for the entire AFC. The AFC South, so that's four teams. That's 20 spots. My my math right on that? 55% will have changed in the AFC South. Ooh. Quarterback, or I'm sorry, GM, head coach, GM, head coach, coordinators, and quarterback. That's a 55% lot. 55% will have changed in the AFC Big South. Big turnover. So Big turnover. Richardson was Steichen, uh, I could imagine. But getting back to the, oh, by the way, in my mock draft, I had the Detroit Lions 
selecting Bijan Robinson. Ooh, that's scary stuff. Because Jamal Williams is a free agent. Yeah. There's a really good free agent running back class. And by the way, it's also a great draft class. That's one of the other reasons why I wouldn't do Bijan Robinson at 12. Because, yes, he's the best running back that I've scouted since Todd Gurley. The best, no doubt. If Rodgers, if Rodgers is out of Green Bay, where do Ooh. people pick the NFC North? How do they pick it? Mm. Minnesota's still first because they won a lot of games, and you can make fun of them. They get mocked a lot Ooh. for their postseason lack of performance or whatever. But are, are you they, sure the Vikings aren't better than the Lions? I don't know. I would assume that a lot of people would pick them first. Still, if Rodgers is gone, I, if Rodgers, if Rodgers goes. I'm going Lions, Vikings, Packers, Bears. And I think you'll have some company, but I still think more people would pick the Vikings. Yeah. There's a lot of Oh yeah. There's a lot of Viking bashing out there because there Cousins is. is easy to bash. He is. But he's, he's pretty good. I mean, nah, he'll he win you some games. Yeah. yeah I, I can see it. I mean, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr. I mean, they're they're kind of similar in the fact that you have some big time games with them, and then you have some prime time games that are kind of yuck. Um, I'll say this about Cousins though. All right, so this is not bad. Cousins, Derek Carr, and I like Derek a lot. You mm -hmm. know that. And a lot right. of the struggles and issues they've had, not his fault. You know, the team around you has a whole lot to do with the performance. I get that. But man, Cousins playoffs in Washington, playoffs at the Vikings. Yeah, yeah. You know, hit Kyle Rudolph with the big touchdown to beat the Saints on the road once upon a time. Okay, I. Harken back to that one because that was actual success in the postseason. Right. I know the primetime Kirk Cousins jokes and everything. He's won a lot of games. Yeah, he has. Derek Carr's won a lot of games, too. And, you know, like Andre was pointing out, all-time leading passer in Raider history. You know, I know wow. there's a little bit of inflation sure. these days with the numbers and all that because Stabler and Plunkett and Mark Wilson and Rich Gannon are not going to get on that list because they didn't play long enough and they didn't have the same rules and all that. But... I do give him a lot of credit. I still think that people bash Kirk Cousins. I get the bashing as far as getting to the pinnacle, the mountaintop, but he wins a lot of games. Okay, so back to the Texans at 12. Oh, yeah, sorry. We kind of got off a tangent. Yeah, but that's Not surprisingly. Mm -hmm. Number 12. So we've eliminated running back, cornerback. Quarterback's already taken care of at that particular spot. All right, so remember the evil guy in The Patriot? Was that the Mel Gibson movie in The Revolutionary War? Yeah. And the evil British so. guy says... Tell me about Ohio. Because he's he's negotiating some kind of <laughs> yeah, payment yeah, yeah. for his efforts. Yeah. Tell me about Lucas Van Ness. Well, he's a name that obviously Iowa. <clears throat> he comes up. I think he's a name that'll come up. Miles Murphy is a name that'll come up from Clemson. Keon White is a name. That's who I have mocked to the Texans at number twelve. They're they're all sort of Different flavors of the same guy. Six foot four, six foot five, 275 pounds in that range. Ability to go inside, outside. Lucas Van Ness started the year as a backup three technique for Iowa. And mm. as the year wore on, he ended up being still a backup, but he would come in the game and play defensive end. He would mm. stand up. He would play hand down. He would go inside and play a three technique. He's a former hockey player, and he plays like it. He is violent, but he's got he's got some pretty decent twitch. He's not as twitchy as um, as Keon White is from Georgia Tech, and he's and they're not in the class. None of them are in the class of Tyree Wilson. That dude is a he's a freakazoid. Um, and when you see Tyree Wilson, you're like, man, are those arms for real? Did like somebody just continue to pull on Elastic Man's arms and they just went on forever? So from that standpoint, Wilson, like you said, is going to be gone. Venice, Miles Murphy, Keon White. 
all, like I said, kind of the same flavor. 6'4", 6'5", 275 to 280, inside-outside versatility, and really twitching athletic, um, having played a number of different sports. I think, Mark, that's where, I think that's where we end up going. Boy, we pick right behind the Titans. They pick 11th. Texans pick 12th. Okay. What do you think the Titans are doing 11? Um, Boy, they got, when you line, start diving in. No Luan. They have a lot of needs. They have a lot of needs. They have a lot of needs. So a lot of people have this uh, Paris Johnson Jr. going mm-hmm. that way from Ohio State. Yep. But how about this one? I had Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern going there. I threw out the uh, – he's a tackle, right? Could play guard. I, if the Texans drafted Skaronsky at 12, I'd play him here at guard. Okay. You'd leave Titus out at mm-hmm. right, right tackle? Yep. I'd put okay. him at guard. Uh, but I threw this one out to you last night with more likely to happen, more likely to trade down, trade up, or stay put. Either pick, I think I said. Mm-hmm. But it would not surprise me. Let's say one of the quarterbacks is still available there, like a Richardson oh, sure. yeah. or Levis or somebody. Yeah, yeah. And then somebody wants to jump up. Because I think the name you pick at 12, actually, by the time we get there, a lot of the fans are going to be more better acquainted with the draftees, right? Yeah, you'd expect. They they would be. But I think it's going to be a name that's not going to be, you know, sports center leading, right? It's not going to be a name that, like, thrills the fans. Let's but put it, it could this be way. a name that really improves the team. Don't get me wrong. Could if be an all-pro. Could be a Hall of Famer. Who knows? Those names I mentioned, if those are all on the board, if those guys are all on the board, they'll move down. They'll, all right, they'll move down. Nick, Nick will play the supply and demand. He's talked about that before. Well, somebody, are you sure somebody's going to be willing to move up? Well, that's the thing. If that quarterback is still if on the board. A, if there's a quarterback on the board. If there's a quarterback on the board. Uh, this, this is who's after the Texans. Jets, 13. But they're about to get Derek Carr. Patriots, Packers, mm. Commanders at mm. 16. Mm. They, w- they would move up. They could move up. Detroit at 18. I know I put B. John Robinson there. Uh-huh. But if Anthony Richardson somehow fell or Levis fell, a guy with, you know, one of those two guys that you feel like needs a year and anyways, put him next to Jared Goff and let him and you get him at, you know, you move up to 12 to get him. Mm-hmm. It might not be a bad move right there. Free agency is going to tell us a lot, obviously, like it always no does. Doubt. The Bucks are at number 19. What's their quarterback situation after the Brady era? Oh, the Bucks are in trouble. The salary cap for the Bucks is not good. This is going to be a really interesting year for Todd Bowles. Good Ooh. luck with that. Speaking of the draft, when we get back, we'll hear from DP Sidhu. She sat down to learn more about Bryce Young. Let's do that right here on Texans All Access. We got one final segment this Friday edition of Texas All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. It's time for DP Sidhu to jump in with the show. A little deep slant with Charlie Potter, who covers Alabama Crimson Tide for 24-7 sports, to talk about the Tide's quarterback, whose name escapes me what's his name oh yeah that's right Bryce Young let's go what's his biggest asset you think that really sets Bryce Young apart from the other quarterbacks in this draft class I think there's a lot that that sets Bryce apart I mean first and foremost he's a good person I think the the guys that are coming out they're going to be at the top of the draft for Alabama they're they're some of the most special people ever come through the program uh and, and Bryce is right at the top of that list but no, I think he's a special player. He can make special things happen. You know, we saw the last two seasons, his two years as a starter, really during the Saban era is probably the the time that we've seen a quarterback kind of shoulder the load the most. I know Texans fans are familiar with, with John Mechie and, you know, fans got to see a glimpse of, of Jamison Williams a little bit this past season in the NFL, but those guys were, were banged up at times in 2021 when Bryce won the, the Heisman. They were gone this past season and Alabama had some young guys have to step up at the quarterback position. So, you know, more so than ever, at least during the Nick Saban era, the quarterback 
had to make plays on the play in and, and play out basis really and and Bryce did that you, know, you can look back at, at certain moments the the Auburn game two years ago whenever he led a, a comeback drive and, and won that game in overtime heck even the Tennessee game this year I know Alabama lost that but you know Bryce is coming off that shoulder injury he just has a a remarkable performance to keep them in that game so he's just a guy that can make plays on a consistent basis I know that's that's very vague there's some nuances and intricacies of, of what he brings to the table but He's just a he's a player. He's a playmaker. And, um, you know, I, I know he's a guy that he, he's going to say the right things in terms of, you know, he gives credit to his teammates and stuff like that. But Alabama's offense wouldn't have been the same without number nine in the past two seasons. And you know, I think there's a reason that he's a guy that you mentioned is, is being discussed for the, the top overall pick in this draft. What do you think of the chatter or the assessment of his size at six feet tall and 194 pounds? He's obviously shorter and lighter, I should say than some of the other quarterbacks in this draft class. But what do you make of it? You've watched him throughout his career at Alabama. Do you think too much is made of it? Or do you think there is something there as far as what his transition might be like and his durability in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, we've seen it kind of be debunked a little bit here of late with some smaller quarterbacks being drafted and having success. I know, you know, Drew Brees was for a long time the, the outlier, but you know, we've seen it happen. And for Bryce, I know, with the size, durability is the first thing that comes up. And this past season, you know, he was banged up. He had the the shoulder issue. But he's a guy that – the reason that he got hurt in that game is because he's always trying to make a play. It's almost like um, he's a baseball player. He's just out there trying to hit a home run every time he steps up to the plate. And I think they kind of try to teach him how to get rid of the ball. You know, you don't have to throw a touchdown on every play. So that was kind of beneficial in that regard. And we saw him you know, do that more when he came back from the injury. But, you know, that was really the only issue that that he had at least known, uh, made public. You look at the year that he won the Heisman Trophy, Alabama's offensive line gave up 41 sacks in 2021. So he was getting hit a lot and didn't really have any issues with that. And, and again, that's a year that he literally rewrote Alabama's record book from a passing standpoint. So he is short. I'll be interested to see what uh, he he measures in at, at the Combine and, and maybe Alabama's Pro Day. But he is a guy that when you watch him play, you don't really think about that. Now, he's elusive. He can move. Uh, it's not like he disappears behind the, the mountain of men that Alabama has on his offensive line. But, you know, he's a guy that uses his size to an advantage sometimes with his ability to move the, the sticks with his legs. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens from that standpoint come like combine time and things like that but I haven't thought it's been any kind of knock on his game in his time at Alabama and it hasn't really been something that's been discussed up until he made the decision to turn pro like that wasn't a, a talking point or something that came up because it was never an issue with his game in college that unfortunately is all we have time for but plenty of great stuff go check out deep slant podcast to give the rest of that and Charlie joined DP tells talk about Will Anderson Jr. so we'll have that for a later show as well big thanks to Dre to Mark to DP, to Charlie Potter, to all of you for listening. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday. And as always, go Texans.